you ever find yourself having trouble recognizing people? I have that trouble, particularly when I see someone not in the same context where I'm used to seeing them. Like when I run into a, a church member at the grocery store, sometimes it takes me a minute to, to remember who they are. Or if I see a neighbor at Walmart, I might not recognize them. Or if I've seen someone wear particular clothes to church or to work and then they appear with sunglasses and a ball cap on, and that when Steve and I get in our bicycling gear, forget it. You can't recognize each other with your helmets and your, your glasses on. I just have this trouble recognizing people. My 30th high school reunion is this June. I did not go to my 10th high school reunion because I wasn't married yet, and I was very embarrassed about that, and I didn't want to go to the reunion single. We did not go to my 20th high school reunion because I was so scared of not recognizing people, forgetting names, forgetting faces. I just couldn't face it. We didn't go to my 25th reunion because it was inconvenient at the time, but we're going to go to the 30th. And when the announcement came out on Facebook, I asked Steve, I said, are, are you willing to go to this with me? And he said, oh, yes, I'll, I'll go and do that because, you know, i got to have the trophy husband. <laughs> and he looks so good in a suit. He looks so good in a suit. And so we're going. Well, the announcement came out on Facebook. And I replied to the announcement, I'm going, but I'm asking him for forgiveness ahead of time for the names I'm going to forget and the faces I'm not going to recognize. And several of my friends said, me too, ditto. So it sounds like we're all in the same boat. We might not recognize each other. There's just something about our brains that causes us not to recognize people in a different context, in a different place. Sometimes our own emotions get in the way and block us from recognizing people. And then let's just add in the whole 30-year factor. Having not seen somebody in 30 years, we're going to look a little bit different. It's just a part of being human that we don't recognize people. Our story this morning comes out of the Gospel of John, and we have Mary going to the tomb. She is going to the place where she believes Jesus to be. She's going to be near Jesus. Now, in the Gospel of John, it does not tell us why she's going there. We can assume she's going to pay reverence. We can assume she's going to pray, that she's going to express her grief, that she's going to cry. For whatever reason she's going... She is going to a place where she believes Jesus to be. She is seeking Jesus. I did not grow up watching Little House on the Prairie. It's something that has come to me later in life with reruns. And there's an episode that, that sticks out in, in, in my mind, particularly for this reason. Little House on the Prairie is about a family in the 1800s. There's Ma and Pa and there's three girls. And Laura Ingalls is the middle child, and the whole story revolves around her. It's her story that's really being told. Well, Laura is a tomboy. She's a serious tomboy. She loves to catch fish. She loves to catch frogs. She loves to play sports with the boys in her class, and she can outrun most of them. She's the tomboy, and, and she's really Pa's favorite, if we had to say that, and his nickname for her is Half Pint. So she does the boy-type stuff with her father. Well, in one episode, Ma gives birth to a child, and it's a boy. And Pa is so excited. He finally has the son he's always wanted, and he's talking about the boy stuff we're going to do together and, and what he's going to be like when he grows up. Well, then Laura gets jealous because she's the boy in the family. And she doesn't want that 
baby anymore. That, boy, that baby's getting in the way, and so she gets pretty jealous of the baby. Well, unfortunately, the baby passes away as an infant um, during the night one night. Well, then that makes Laura feel guilty because even though she didn't want this baby in the house, she certainly didn't want the baby to not survive. So then she's decided she's got all these mixed feelings that it's her fault that the baby died because she didn't want him. And so she's angry, she's upset, she feels guilty, she feels jealous, and she decides, I'm going to go find God because I want to find out why God let this happen and explain to God that it really wasn't my fault. And so Laura decides the best place to meet God is up at the top of the mountain. So she heads off, having not informed her family. She heads off up this mountain, which causes a search to ensue, and they find her at the mountain, because that's where she went to be with God. Mary went to the tomb to be with Jesus. All of us have places that we go to when we want to be with Jesus. The church, a favorite chair at home with a Bible open in our lap, the mountains, the beach, the lake, the woods. Maybe it's a conversation with a dear friend, a visit to a homeless shelter, a visit to the home where you grew up. All of us have places where we go to be in the presence of Jesus. Where is your place? Where do you go? When Mary got to the tomb, it was not what she expected. Even though Jesus had told the disciples and the followers that he was going to come back in three days, I honestly don't think any of them thought he meant that he would come back to life. I don't think any of them thought that this was what was going to happen. Mary was expecting the stone to be in front of the tomb. Not what she expected. She was expecting Jesus' body to be inside that tomb, not what she expected. When we encounter the risen Lord, when we go to seek out Jesus, sometimes it's not what we expect. You may not have heard of the name Ariana Kramaric. Ariana Kramaric. You may not have heard that name, Akiana. You may not have heard the name, but you may have seen one of her works. If you read the book Heaven is for Real, or if you were at Mardell's when that book or the movie that it was based on came out, you may have seen one of Akiana's paintings. It's called The Prince of Peace, and it's a picture of, of Jesus' head and shoulders. It's a painting that, that she did. Heaven is for Real is based off the story of a young boy that when he was having an emergency appendectomy, that he went to heaven during that experience. And after he recovers from the appendectomy, he and his father start having conversations about what he saw, what he experienced, and it turns into the book, into the book and, and what the movie's based off of. And one of the things the father would do is that he would show the boy pictures of, of relatives, and the boy would recognize someone he had never seen before because he saw them in heaven. And then he would start talking about seeing Jesus. In heaven, And so the father started showing him paintings of Jesus, different portraits and things, and the boy would always say, no, that's not what he looks like. No, that's not what he looks like. Until he showed him Akiana's painting, Prince of Peace, and the boy said, oh, yes, that's him. Yes, that's him. That's why the a prince of the painting is, is in the book. What you may not know is Akiana was eight years old when she painted it. She was eight. If you have seen that, that portrait, she was eight years old when she painted it. When she was four or five years old, she was having visions of heaven. 
And the paintings that she creates of the human features are so minute and particular in their detail, they almost look like high-resolution photographs of her attention to detail. And she started painting these visions of heaven that she had, and they are bright and powerful, colorful, vibrant. There's almost, they're almost moving. There's this, this motion to them, and they're just astounding. When she was nine years old, she was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, and Oprah said, where do the visions come from? Immediately, the child said, from God. Now, what you may not know is that God was not mentioned in her house. Her mom is an atheist. Her dad is an agnostic. Faith and God were not present in her home. Yet she knows from which those visions come. They come from God. She's very clear about that. They come from God. She is now 22, 23. She's in her 20s. And she is establishing schools for art and science around the world. This is what she does. Her parents, who had no faith, no God in the home, could not have expected that they were going to have not only an art prodigy as a child, they could not have expected having a four- or five-year-old who says that she has had visions of heaven, and they certainly did not expect to have a child who was having visions from God. They did not expect any of that. Mary didn't expect anything that happened to her when she got to the tomb. It was highly unexpected for Jesus to, to not be there. To not be there at all is not what she expected. When we go and seek out Jesus, what are we expecting? What are we expecting when we go to Jesus? Are we expecting calm and quiet? Are we expecting peace? Are we expecting an answer to a question? Are we expecting to be challenged? Or are we expected to be comforted? Are we expected to be told, oh, you got this, you're right, or are we expected to be told, no, 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 you're not? Are we expected to be rebuked and met with disappointment? Or are we expecting forgiveness and mercy? Sometimes when we go to Jesus, we get what we don't expect. When Mary noticed that Jesus' body was not there, she assumed that someone had took him. When she saw Jesus, she did not recognize him. What he said to her was, why are you crying? Whom is it you are looking for? She thought he was the gardener and said, where have you taken his body? I'll be happy to come and, come and get it. But then Jesus said one word. One word, simple. Mary. She recognized Jesus when he called her by name. Called her by name. My father still lives in the same house that my parents bought when they were engaged in 1964. Across from that house is a city park. I always thought it was an extension of my front yard. And my brother Merritt and I just assumed that every kid grew up across the street from a park. That's what we assumed life was. Now this is a very interesting park. It's, it's in a valley. And the sides of it are very, very steep. They're very, very steep hills. And there's a creek that runs through the middle of it. And on one side, they've placed these large boulders that you get to climb over and play on and nap on. A couple of them look like a set of skis. I remember that from growing up. And there's, there's, there's playground equipment. You've got the, the traditional jungle gym and the swings. And they've got, you know, those plastic animal things that are on the huge springs attached to the ground that you kind of rock back and forth on? It's got those as well. My brother and I could spend hours in the park. And that was back when parents were okay with letting their kids roam around the neighborhood. 
when it was time to come home, we would hear this. Katie! Merritt! Always, always the same. And that voice could be heard for half a block away. And we knew it was time to come home. My brother and I were in the marching band when we were in high school. Football games, parades. It was not unusual to hear, way to go, Katie! Or, way to go, Merritt! And I remember when we marched in Atlanta, it was the Coca-Cola 100th anniversary parade, and I told my mother, do not yell my name. I don't want to hear it. I turn a corner, and there's this cacophony of voices. Way to go, Katie! <laughs> After the parade, I find my mom, and she proudly informs me I didn't yell your name. She got 20 perfect strangers <laughs> to yell my name. And when I walked across that stage at Auburn, when I graduated, what did I hear? Way to go, Katie! I grimaced, I looked right at the dean, and I said, I'm so sorry. And he just grinned and let me go. We like it when people call us by name. And for many of us, we like it when they can pronounce it right. Pikarski, <laughs> Jangula. We like it when they can get the name right. Our names are attached to us. To a certain extent, our names define who we are. It's how we're recognized. It's how people know who we are. It's how we know how well someone knows us, depending on how they say our names. I don't blame Mary that she didn't recognize Jesus at first. When he called her by name, she responded, Rabboni, which means teacher or master. She knew who he was when she heard her name. But I don't really blame her for not recognizing her before then. All of us have experiences where we don't recognize people. Our emotions can get in the way. Maybe Jesus' features were transformed. But here's the point. It's not about why Mary didn't recognize Jesus. We're missing the point if we focus on that. What we have to look at is what was her response when she did know him? When she did recognize that she was in the presence of Jesus, what did she do? She ran and she told others. And what she said was, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. The first person to say that the first person to see Jesus was Mary, and she told others, I have seen the Lord. We seek out Jesus. We look for love and acceptance and comfort. Maybe we want to feel more secure. We want to know that we've been heard. But do we underestimate our encounters with Jesus? Should we expect more? From our encounters with Jesus? Do we expect to hear Jesus call us by name? Do we expect to sense Jesus with our earthly senses? Maybe we should expect more. Here are these words of good news. Jesus is risen because God loves all people. Jesus is risen because God loves you. You. God was there when you were created. So was Jesus. You think Jesus knows your name? Yes. Do you think Jesus calls you by name? Yes. 
when you hear Jesus call you by name, when you encounter the risen Lord, do what Mary did and tell others. Say, I have seen the Lord. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.